Hey friends, this episode was recorded before the events that are still taking place in Ukraine, and we want to be mindful that talking about design, technology, and everything else can feel inappropriate at times like these. So we just couldn't post this without at least acknowledging the situation and send our love to the Ukrainian people. Please only listen if you're in the right headspace. Love you all. Let me try something. And we're live. <laughs> Doesn't seem like I'm peaking. Wow, Kevin Clark. You sound really good. <laughs> Do I sound different? I don't know. You sound different. Even through Zoom's compression, right? <laughs> you sound noticeably different. With my Apple earbuds, uh, I cannot really tell the difference, but hopefully it does some kind of difference. can't drive all that bass. <laughs> it's all about that bass. <laughs> no treble. Uh, I see they have a, a new mic. It's a sure one. Cool. How'd you like it? Um, yeah, so we should tell people a while back, um, and I think we talked about this on the show. Yeah, it was on the show. So my mic just like randomly changed name, and I was like, what is that? And it turns out it's the firmware inside the microphone that just for some reason crapped out. Yeah. Uh, and there are apparently ways that you can reflash firmware onto the thing. No one wants that. It looked really complicated, honestly. No one wants to do that. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, you know what? I've had this mic for years and years and years. Like, it's been like forever. Like, we've recorded so many episodes of Layout on this thing. Probably like four years. Right. I was like, it's time to retire it. You know, it's had a good life, you know. It died a hero, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, now it's time for something new. And then we were talking back and forth, like, okay, what should I get? And like trying to read some reviews and stuff like that. And honestly, so many people have so many different opinions. Mm -hmm. I am not the world's expert on audio quality and all these things. And we were talking about the uh, Shure SM7B. And uh, this mic just looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> It looks amazing. And you were like, Kevin, just get that one. <laughs> you know? um, and so I was like, you know what? Fine. I'll just get that one. Because I probably can't tell all the nuances of the audio quality, but I sure as hell can tell <laughs> the difference in uh, visual uh, appearance. And so why don't I optimize for that a little bit? And then, you know, it's a much more expensive mic than the one I was previously using. So hopefully it sounds better. Oh, yeah. And the main difference is that this, instead of being a USB mic like my old one, this is an XLR mic. I'm not well-versed enough to explain the differences. Maybe Rafa can explain it. Basically, what I need to do is using this sort of like, you know, these stage mics, like they have this like thicker XLR cable, so you use that cable instead of directly plugging it into USB. Then you need to have an interface in between the mic and the computer that will, I don't know, do some kind of magic to transform the sound and transfer it to the computer. <laughs> and to power the mic as well. It needs to send power to the mic. Oh, okay, I see. Uh, and that's where you need to control the gain and all this stuff. Like The mic itself does no processing or like has no control over like that signal. Mm -hmm. So you need that interface to kind of... Not only power the mic. I'm also not well versed on this. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, long story short, you have an extra thing on your desk, slightly like larger mic. Yeah, and so if people are curious, so I I got the Elgato Wave XLR interface. It's so way too early for me to review <laughs> any of this because this is literally the first 
real thing that I record with it. Mm-hmm. And probably I'll get some feedback from Rafa or Laura when they edit the show. <laughs> Hopefully that's good feedback. Um, but we'll see. Uh, and I haven't really like tweaked anything. There's a lot of features with this. There's a touch sensitive mute nice. functionality on this and then the lights turn red is black and nice and has way fewer buttons than most of the other uh, options and also apparently according to the internet has enough power gain yeah to power this sure sm7b um I think it's called phantom power for some reason i have that in my head maybe i'm totally okay. wrong and that's a different thing I don't know. Again, I know nothing about this. So hopefully I sound different. I would say it's a bit of a fiddly setup, mm-hmm. <laughs> like to be quite honest. Even this microphone, it looks good, but the way that it works is just, I find a little bit clunkier and harder to work with uh, than my other mic, because you sort of have the mic and then there's a separate like XLR entry point for it and basically i feel like this mic has fewer degrees of freedom okay <laughs> than some of my previous mics like i had to unscrew some things and like move some stuff around and it's like a bit complicated to set up and now i have this like permanent box on my desk so it's not the end of the world but but now you're a real podcaster you know uh, yeah i'm a real podcaster i think it was it was about time that i invested in a fussy setup now anyone looking at your desk We'll have no doubt that, oh, this is a real podcast. Yeah, oh my goodness. a big thing box with a knob on your <laughs> desktop. <laughs> yeah. I personally have a way smaller interface. It's like a long tube <laughs> with like mm-hmm. the XLR goes in one end and the, uh, yep. you know, those like printer cables <laughs> come out the other end. <laughs> a big, I think it's called USB-B, I think, or something. Ugh. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Like those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the cable you're using right now and then adapting that to USB-C? Yeah, but I got like one end USB, I think it's B, the printer cable, on the other USB-C. So there's no dongles. But yeah, anyway. I'm shocked that they make a version of this cable that goes to (laughs) USB-C. Me too. But once I found it, I was like, oh, please, yes. When, you know, back in the... Right. Like I'm trying to USB-C my life. So here's another thing that's really nice about the Elgato Wave XLR. Mm -hmm. Direct USB-C connection. That's it. Oh, okay. Can it be used as like Thunderbolt, like a dock hub? Dock? (laughs) I don't know. Like, no, I don't think I can charge my computer with this. Uh, <laughs> power goes the other way, right? <laughs> okay. It sucks power. Yeah. But anyway, what I was trying to say is like, I tweak the settings and the gain knobs and all whatever into like something I'm happy with. And then it's like in a little like cable tray thing that my desk has. So I don't see it and it's not visible. Oh. Now, it's way easier to hide that than your like, you know, slightly bigger box. Right. That is this Elgato thing. But you might be able to put it on a side or something. If you find a system that then it doesn't require you to tweak settings that often, then maybe you could hmm. put it somewhere else. Yeah. So the one challenge with this too is with my wired setup for my headphones, I need to have it close by enough mm, okay, <laughs> that I, I can plug my headphones into it. So anyways, little, little tray, little tray under the desk, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) it's fine. It works for now. I'm probably going to continue evaluating other aspects of my setup. Again, getting more and more complex, more fancy as I go along. But that's just the journey we're all on. So it's all right. Oh, yeah. Never ending journey. (laughs) 
when I moved to this uh, new home and this new office, uh, my desk like workspace hit a reset. And all of a sudden, for a while, devs was we were sharing the desk and the screen, uh, but not anymore. So now it's like I started remove everything from my desk and slowly starting adding. Like I don't even have a plant here anymore. Ah. Um, <laughs> that was like my constant. And so the first thing and only really the thing that I've added was uh, something to wireless charge things. Right. So not just a phone, but like I have this portable uh, light that is also like wireless huh. to charge it. Um, I have like AirPods and stuff, you know, whatever. Uh, so my sister gave me this for Christmas. I think it was based on your recommendation. Remember the Belkin like charger you know the stand thing oh yeah right you got the three in one right you got the one with the apple watch i did yeah so this is a two in one so you have the magsafe thing for the phone and then you have the base as a wireless charger and i have that here um and i like it uh but here's the the one little thing about this or not about the device itself but like sometimes i need to connect my phone with a cable to my computer because xcode right and like i know there's like building wireless but that works you know, 50% of the time works every time. Yeah, and it's slower too. Yeah. So sometimes I do want to plug a cable, but I don't have like a cable permanently like visible and accessible. So now I'm even considering instead of this stand, I'll move the stand to my bedside or something. And I'll... But couldn't you plug, like got a lightning cable so you have your thing on the charger and then you plug it in? Yeah, I can do it. But I just don't want to like have to plug and unplug and hide the cable and bring it back. I can see that. Anyway. I was considering getting another one, like the two-in-one instead of the three-in-one for my desk mm -hmm. except with this iphone 13 it basically never needs to be charged yeah, that's true so i <laughs> just like i was you know had my mindset on okay you know because i got the extra like apple battery pack you can like stick on yeah. to it and i was like oh i'll probably get this other one for my desk to replace this old chi charger i have and then turns out like i end my day at maybe 60 something battery <laughs> every day uh so it's like i don't need this at all yeah i don't need it and also like this was a thing where like with my old phone and you can say this is why the battery was terrible on it but uh i feel like i got into this habit of whenever i would sit down at my desk i would like put the phone on the chi charger uh to make it charge yeah that can't be good for the battery because <laughs> um, the battery was like not great so with this one, I was like, oh, you know, I first wanted to do that. And then I was like, hey, this is a terrible idea because the battery is already good enough. Don't let it charge unless you really need it. So I don't. And so I basically don't use this old Qi charger here that I never really use, except sometimes for AirPods. Uh -huh. And then I have the Apple like battery backpack thing. I have literally never used it <laughs> uh, since I got it. Uh, and I've traveled a couple times. Like, I haven't done a real, like, proper trip trip with it. But, um... Trip trip? <laughs> I feel like this phone is, like... The battery life is so great. Yeah. Oh, my phone had a backpack on all the time when I was out and about in Portugal. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> backpack. Uh, yeah, but it's definitely, like, a thing that people like. Like, regardless of battery levels or if it has a charger or not, I feel like people have that habit of charging their phone at their desk. Mm -hmm. I never really got into that habit, mostly because I've been working from home for so long that, like, first, I don't drain the battery as much. And second, because uh, if I need it, I have another charger, like, right there by the couch or uh, my bedroom or whatever. Right. So I never got into that habit. So 
for me, it always has been for like the aesthetic or like I'm debugging something or like I'm on my phone, like Figma mirror or something. So it's mostly for that. And for that, MagSafe thing is perfect. It's the right angle, but it's just a cable thing. I'm so close. And that's why the Apple dock thing, you can just stick it in. Right. It's all for the cable. But anyway. Is that the old Apple product that you bought? <laughs> no. Okay. Follow up. So let's get into that. I had a couple people write in and a couple people got it right. Ooh. Um, but no one got the two products that I got. Right? Okay. So some people got one, other people got the other. No one got both of them. No, no one got one of them. But some people got the main one. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> when I was uh, reviewing the, the the episode like on the edit, I noticed that I think it was you were a bit confused. I think you got the impression that I got two of the same products. Mm. That's not what I meant. Well, cuz initially I thought you wanted to put them together like to to swap <laughs> right. like your headphones. But that's not what you're doing. No. So there are two different products. Yeah. One last guess. I don't know, man. Or can I just tell you what it is? Or I guess show you. Nah, just say it. Okay, I'm going to show you. I've already cast my guesses in the in the previous episode. <laughs> I'm going to unblur my background. And it's right there. So it's iPod Hi-Fi. Yeah, it is. And some kind of iPod, but it's so small, I cannot really see which one. Oh, no. So the iPod, no. So the other one, you can't see it. It's hidden. Oh, okay. Uh, the iPod is an old iPod that I have. Oh, okay. I see. No, so the other one is an old Airport Express. Oh, really? <laughs> so I did get it. <laughs> <laughs> so why? Because so the iPod Hi-Fi was an old speaker that Apple made for like a couple of years and then was off the market. Mm-hmm. Um, like famously, or the legend says that, they had so much built-up stock they couldn't sell that that Steve Jobs' office was like filled with boxes of these things. I'm sure Tim Cook's office was <laughs> filled with all that boxes too. Uh, so anyway, so it was a very short-lived product by all you know metrics, probably a failure. Hmm. But it's a speaker. It's a nice speaker. It sounds nice. Actually, the reviews were like crazy similar to the first HomePod. I was like, it's a nice speaker, but very expensive. And I'm not sure who this is for. (laughs) I guess people like me uh, 20 years later. Uh, So I got that speaker, which as a speaker, it's nice. But the speaker works with like has like an old iPod connector thing at the top. And this is a 30 pin connector. 30 pin connector. Yeah. And this is not lightning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but it has a audio in like aux cable on the back. So you can't plug anything like with the headphone thing, jack. Right. Now, this doesn't sound very Apple-y thing to do. Like, you know, nowadays, like the HomePod famously has no audio in or audio out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only reason why they did it was because when they released this product, they had a couple iPods on the market. The iPod, what now people call the iPod Classic. They had the iPod Nano, I think, at the time, or a Mini. But they already had the iPod Shuffle. And the Shuffle didn't have a 30-pin connector. Oh, really? It was only like the headphone one. Uh. So the only way for you to connect an iPod Shuffle to this product, they had to have the little audio in thing. Hmm. Anyway. How did you charge that iPod? Uh, well, the same. I had one. It was like a little cradle, like dock thing with a headphone port jack. <laughs> 3.5 mil, uh, millimeter. So you charged through the headphone port? Yeah. I didn't even know we could drive power. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, like enough power that it would charge a tiny little That's amazing. belt clip. So anyway. I never had one of these. I had one. Remember the weird one with no buttons? 
it was all through the headphone in the earbuds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what this new plan with Apple Music where you can only <laughs> yeah. interact with it through Siri. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. So <laughs> so I got iPod uh, Hi-Fi and then I got an Airport Express. Also out of the market. <laughs> Apple doesn't sell this. It's like an old router thingy that got, like a couple of years ago, got like one less software update when it was already off the market, that enabled AirPlay 2. Oh, I see. Because that router has an aux, like, audio out port. So I got these two devices. <laughs> I plugged the AirPod Express to the iPod Hi-Fi, which now is like an AirPlay 2 speaker. I needed a new speaker in my office. I think this one looks really good. <laughs> so now it's like an AirPlay device. I can just AirPlay stuff to it. Why, though? <laughs> How does it compare to a full-size HomePod? Uh, very similar. It's a bit more finicky in way, in a sense that like a HomePod is designed to like it's omnidirectional. Like its audio goes every direction, right? Mm-hmm. So you can put it in the middle of a room or whatever. And this one clearly doesn't. It has the speakers right. clearly pointed at one end. But it's uh, in terms of quality and like room feeling. it's similar it it sounds really good yeah that's it interesting i still don't know why you got this (laughs) because i think i wanted a speaker i think it looks good and it's like i always wanted one (laughs) (laughs) okay fine (laughs) well can't wait for you to buy a home pod in like 10 years (laughs) my own to replace this like when you move into your new new place (laughs) we're like you know what new office i need some speakers (laughs) Oh, that's great. I, I tell you, I'm slowly building an Apple museum here. And this is the uh, you know, second piece. That is great. Any progress on the camera? Um, No, <laughs> but kind of. So what I did was I want to like document this little journey. Mm. I don't know what kind of form it will have this document at the end. I think it's going to be like a tape on a long, like a video series thing. I'm taking my sweet time, <laughs> but I schedule calls with the author of this project. <laughs> okay. The Pie site. <laughs> Uh, we got in touch on Twitter, reached out, and we're, we're going to get on a call and talk about it. And I'm going to ask questions and stuff, potentially record our conversation. So maybe it could be part of it or, or not. I don't know. And I also uh, trying to schedule a call with Rob, the person who reminded me of the project and made me get the camera because they also built one recently. So I'm going to ask some questions. So mm. that's it. You know what we need to do? Mm. We need to somehow find a way to get in touch with someone who was involved with the design of the eyesight camera. Wow. Like, you make this whole series about, like, okay, I'm trying to revive this camera. Whoa. Then try to learn more. Shoot for the stars. Shoot for the stars. I mean, we have a big audience here. Oh, yeah. I'm huge. sure someone knows someone <laughs> who knows someone who knows someone. You never know. Okay. I think I want to just, like, broadcast that into the air. If you know someone that you think can get us closer... To one of the person who was involved with the design of the eyesight camera. Please let me know. Please get in touch. <laughs> yes, please. So it's the whole thing of like six levels of separation from anyone in history or something, right? Isn't something like that? Yeah. Wasn't it a Kevin Bacon thing? Seven degrees. I don't remember, but yeah. Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, six. Six degrees. Six degrees. Six. Yeah, I got it right. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> I'll put it in the, in the notes. So it's like anyone in history in the world is only up to six levels of separation from anyone else. Like me and let's say Michael Jackson. Like I know someone who knows someone who knows someone who's the sister of Michael Jackson, right? Or whatever. 
Like, so that's what that thing. Janet. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> they might have more siblings. They were at least five, no? Jackson five? I don't know. Right? I don't know if there's more sisters. Is there more sisters? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's a, that's a good plan. Also tweet to if we can get closer to someone who worked on yeah, this. Yeah, we have to. Um, but Kevin, come on. Just, hey, look at my stories and tell me this speaker doesn't look good. Okay, yeah. So this is the other thing. You texted me. You told me, don't look at my stories before we record. Yeah. Which is surprisingly difficult. How? Like, Why? I had to really stay off of Instagram completely. How often do you check Instagram? Jeez. This is like an hour ago. <laughs> you know <laughs> no but i was just gonna say i was just thinking like i can't even open the app because if i open the app and then i'm like oh i'm not gonna look at his stories if i scroll down oh, I instagram inserts right with the image where you can see uh, or if i yeah. tap on someone else's story it'll move on to your story at some point and so i was like can i open the app can i touch anything no touch until the show so i haven't seen any of your story Ah, oh wow. Okay, so you've got the iPod. Is it iPod Classic? Yeah, they started calling it Classic from Gen 6 or Gen 5. Mm. This is an old iPod that I had. I had one of these. This was my first iPod. Yeah, they're great. Still working. But I have to say, like, so I plugged it in because, you know, and it had all my music collection from back then. I don't know exactly when. Oh, wow. Was the last time. So that's awesome. Because uh, there's a bunch of shit. Like, I, I used to buy a lot of music that didn't really carry over. Like, I don't have that collection anymore. So. Mm. Uh, but then, surprisingly hard. Like, I plugged it to my computer. Like, let me sync music. How? <laughs> no. I won't. I can't. Because I don't own any of my Apple Music music. <gasps> right. That old library of songs that I had bought, they are, like, you know, I don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. So, how? I would have to torrent <laughs> MP3s, I guess, and add it to It's just a impossible nowadays like i I, i'm not gonna do that so that ipod is like frozen in time the (laughs) library that's it that's it (laughs) nice nice very nostalgic yeah anyway i would love i have to find where my old ipod is it's somewhere either probably at my parents somewhere in in the basement mine was at my mom's yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would love to go through that another ipod that was in like the box remember the first nano with a screen that was just square also had a little belt clip that remember that is that the fat nano no 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 <laughs> buttons it was just a touch screen no fat shaming here but <laughs> i don't nano. know how else to call it <laughs> this is how we call it back in the day no i remember like some people like myself used it as a watch <laughs> oh i see yeah 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 Yeah. did you get the tiktok uh watch uh, like bracelet or whatever yeah no i didn't have that one i had a I just had a, like a leather bracelet that then I clipped the thing to it. Like it was kind of DIY, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not fancy like this. And by the way, that was a terrible watch. <laughs> but you know, I, I rocked it for a while. And then one day, I only did it one day because then I realized how silly, ridiculous this was. But I had like a, a, the earbuds because, you know, there were no wireless earbuds. Oh, right. So I had the cable <laughs> go through my sleeve <laughs> from my wrist That's amazing. through my sleeve under my shirt like down to my neck right so then we had the ridiculous <laughs> you're like constantly yanking out your earbuds <laughs> pretty much it was horrible but anyway uh, those were the days so i had that i didn't bring it back with me but i also have that somewhere in the box i actually miss the music events mm. that apple would 
do. We care about music. I feel like those were my introduction to Apple events. Oh, yeah. And I remember being excited about, like, you know, new updates to the iPod. And, like, every single one would be different. Oh, yeah. It's not like these days with the iPhone. It's like, ah, it mostly looks the same. And obviously, like, now it's a much bigger production or whatever. But it was just Steve Jobs, like, talking about, like, design details and, you know, really getting in there. I should really rewatch some of those. I have. Because I haven't. I've rewatched the iPhone keynote so many times, but... Uh, yeah but not these more minor ones but yeah and then they would, they would have like music artists come out and like play i remember jack johnson played once yes i remember that katie tungstall uh had i think even john mayer or something like uh, i don't remember anyway but that was those were the days huh yeah totally <laughs> anyway all right i have one last piece of follow-up real quick remember how for a third time now i bring up fantastical openings <laughs> and Calendly, you know yeah and uh so previously on I said that I had set up the Fantastical thing, and I had sent someone a link. What turns out, I sent a Calendly link, <laughs> so still got no feedback. Today, my friend and a friend of the show, Zeno, sent me one Fantastical link. Ooh. So I got to go through the you know the web <laughs> interface to setting up a meeting. So we're going to do uh, you know drinks uh, Friday. <laughs> and nice. It was really nice. I think the whole thing looks really good. Fantastical, like, you know. They know what they're doing. Uh, it's really cute. Like, their UI. So, that's it. That's my follow-up. <laughs> I tried it. It looks really good. I think it looks better than uh, Calendly's. Would recommend, I guess. Nice. Very cool. All right. Uh, Kevin Clark, before we talk about real design juicy topics, please stay tuned. Uh, swear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we tell people about our wonderful, lovely sponsor, We are sponsored this week once again by our friends at Zeppelin. Zeppelin is the OG, one of the very first uh, companies to help designers uh, with handoff, prototyping, and now they're uh, coming at us with flows. So they've noticed the trend with designers that are trying to explain design intention by adding arrows, lines, shapes, and all sorts of other things to their Figma files. And let's face it, we've all been there. Uh, But that approach makes it difficult to edit and make changes. Every time a screen is added or removed, all the lines need to be redrawn one by one. And so what Flow does It is a fast, effortless way to create and outline user flows and journeys. Designers can use the flows to connect screens in seconds and map complete user journeys, showing not just the happy path, but all possible paths and behavior. All you need to do is add the screens you want in a flow, then add a connector, which will snap into place to connect screens or design elements. Uh, You can even add labels to clarify edge cases or error paths, which is always so important, especially when you're working with developers so that they know about all these things. As you publish new versions of designs, your flows and connectors will get updated automatically as screens change. And they also have tons of additional features to help further organize flows that are dedicated and purpose-built specifically for this workflow. So if you're curious, you want to learn more about this, and I think you should, like if you're working on complex designs, you really need a product like this. So where do you go to learn more about this? You go to zeppelin.io. It's as simple as that. 
uh, you can go there, you can sign up, you can get started for free uh, and learn more about their products. So that's Zeppelin.io and our thanks to Zeppelin for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. I just saw a tweet. I was in the toilet. <laughs> going through twitter rafa that's too much information <laughs> okay we just did the sponsor break okay <laughs> sitting on the toilet rafa clearly doesn't give a shit <laughs> so there i was and i saw the tweet saying by the way last day to submit your things and i was like you know what why not uh to be fair i've submitted twice and didn't get it so i was like yeah you know what <laughs> most likely I'm not going to get in, uh, and I don't blame them. You know, this is very much like I just have a random thought of an idea for a talk. I've been meaning to, like, get back and do another talk, because why not? I have a lot of free time nowadays. You do? <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I have no time. <laughs> but anyway, but I have this idea, and it's spoiling it, I guess. So don't get too attached, because <laughs> most likely I won't get a spot, and this is not going to... So you're making your case to the Figma gods... There you go. Figma gods, people listening to it. Or is it a request to all of our listeners to like go send emails to, <laughs> to Figma to tell them? Please. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Okay, I see. No, I no, see. no, no. But I can like workshop, you know, like I use this podcast to like workshop some ideas or whatever. Yeah. So this is like a workshop for a potential talk. Great. Uh, one day, maybe. Uh, and it, we've talked about it here. It's like, it's nothing new, but it's shaping up to be like a thing. But it's about introducing fun in your work as a designer mm. and how like fun and like moments of levity and like i think something fun creates a super like true connection like human connection to people and i think those moments are things that like elevate some products some designs into like legendary status mm -hmm. but rarely Almost never. These things are like makes a product successful. And it's almost impossible to track through metrics or whatever. And so for that reason, like big corporations and even small ones, they have all the incentives tell you not to pursue those things. Not worth it. Mm -hmm. But when you do, like you create something special. And I keep coming back to like path, mailbox, the coin beta thing. Mm. Panic. audio. <laughs> uh, it's some of those like, yeah, uh, like those little moments that you will never forget like where you were when you saw these things or, you know, and yet all these three products I mentioned, they failed. So it's all about like bringing that fun, like the potential, the not untapped, but often overlooked potential of these little touches. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second part to it, which is not only like the actual work and then like from a user point of view, what that makes you feel and the value there. But also as a designer, if you're working on something fun, like, I just had a really fun last week. I just had a lot of fun at work. First of all, you just become super excited and motivated. Like, you, you were way more productive. And then it does wonders for, like, my both my imposter syndrome, like, burnout. Because I just had a really fun week at work, mm -hmm. right? So I feel like there's a lot of really beneficial, important benefits from this type of work that get overlooked and like not get prioritized and, and really get lost right so i feel like as an industry we used to have more fun i think before or maybe it's my like nostalgia lenses uh, speaking but i definitely want to bring some of that back and and like add along we're trying to make like a what kind of process like for example something like silly as like well, one week every month you can like pursue ideas or something. Or like if you have like creative ideas, but maybe won't really fit well with like our roadmap or our thing for the quarter or whatever, 
like still pursue them because like those things are super precious right and sometimes you just lose it mm. like pursue them see where that goes see where that leads time box this whole thing a day or two a week whatever you feel like you need in a reasonable you know time frame but anyway i just said a bunch of words this is the rough outline of the idea for a potential talk one day <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's where I've been at. I like it. I think it's very you and very... I know you've been thinking about a lot of these topics for a long time. So oh, yeah. yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious to hear from your perspective, like what would be... Or maybe this is like a spoiler and people should go and listen to the talk. What do you want people to take away from your talk? Like, what do you want them to do different? Because I'm sure a lot of them are like, yeah, sounds great. Like, you know, when can I apply to to along so I, I get to do these fun things with you? But, you know, it's not going to be everyone who can do that or at, at least like has the kind of setup that you have to do that. A lot of times I feel that there can be some pressure to be creative, to be fun. And some people just say, I'm not that type of person like i'm not fun like i can't <laughs> i'm not fun <laughs> <laughs> i hate fun i'm not funny like I, that's not a thing and that's fair enough but i would still challenge that i feel like everyone's funny mm. in a way you might have a different sense of humor you might like have different things that you find funny but like everyone has that more jovial light part of your personality that whatever you think it's fun uh, that you can bring some of it into your work I know it can be like daunting and paralyzing, like, oh, that sounds really hard. And most often when I try to force being creative or funny or whatever, that's usually that never works. I can't really force it. So the way to go for, about it is allow yourself to bring some of that thing, some of that lightness that you might have. And that can be like just a silly idea you have one day or whatever. And I feel like this industry is, you know, there's a lot of money going around and very, very serious business <laughs> metrics and whatever. Like, so I think we've been programmed to like suppress that. Like, no, don't be silly or, you know, optimization, do the things that are proven and tested or whatever. And so that is a thing I think people at a company, at a design team can start to challenge a bit. Like I like to do, and this is something I actually learned from Sardinia at Superlist. So still relatively like recent in my career, but uh, at any kickoff of any like project design project or something, uh, do crazy eights, you know, you know, the, those. Yeah. I like doing that. Do that. Do one. And sometimes we go at the end of a crazy eight and we're like, you know what? That's a lot of energy. Like, this is really fun. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's try another one. Why not? Some crazy 16s, I guess. Another one. <laughs> another one. Um, and so for people listening who don't know Crazy Eighter, is you just take a piece of paper or an iPad or whatever, and you do... Uh, <laughs> you fold it in half. <laughs> Unless you're using an iPad, then if you fold it in half, then that's a bit awkward. But. You divide your document into eight little boxes. And then what you do is you take one minute to sketch out, to draw an idea. Like, a, this can be whatever you're like, doing this whatever the project is in one minute is like nothing so yeah it's like it's one minute each so one minute for one box and then next another minute another whole new idea and the cool thing about this is like first one minute is no time zero time so if you have an idea for like oh wouldn't it be cool if we can make like a music player out of this like with a audio visualizer thing in our app or whatever that may be um try to draw that in one minute you know so it's like it's really straight to the point like abstract kind of, but like get your idea across. And then I like that by idea number five, you're like... You've completely run out. You <laughs> ran out of ideas. At the beginning, like, oh yeah, I could do this and this and that. But I almost guarantee you by the end, that end stretch, you have nothing. So it forces you to be like, what else? And 
usually at that point, that's when you get the silliest, <laughs> most out there ideas, most like unrealistic, like this is actually not possible, but whatever. And those last ideas, those are usually my favorite. Yeah. Um, so that's something you can do. I talk about that too in like my old talk mm. where I talk about this idea. I think what's great about the crazy eight exercise is it forces you to separate the creator from the critic. Because mm. um, something that really holds us back, especially, you know, all of us in the design industry is we're all, you know, we're all perfectionists to a certain degree. And so having to come up with eight unique ideas in one minute increments from one another, it forces you have to let go yeah. of that perfection. Have to just be like, well, whatever, I'll just do something. And that's when you can get out so many more ideas. And actually, you know, it's part of the exercise, right? Like the first step is you're going to create a lot of stuff. And then the second step is you're going to go through together and you're going to review them. And so you really have that like switch of like creator versus critic. And I think that's an insanely helpful skill to learn and apply everywhere in your career. Like it's not just about like the sketching. It's really like understanding that switch and how it can be really powerful and really helpful. And I think to your point, like it can really help you play with a lot of ideas oh, yeah. and bring more of the fun. And it's an exercise you can all do together as a team too, which is like a great that team bonding moment. Like, you know, always whenever we do this, there's like one or two engineers in the room that are like kind of feel awkward a little bit maybe or they're like, well, you know, I'm not really great at drawing. And then they eventually like come in the exercise and they always really love it and it's oh, just yeah. like a lot of good fun so. i mean i usually get like some of the best or more unexpected feedback and ideas from people who you might like, or initially not think as like more creative like engineers or you know like people who maybe don't really flex those creativity muscles that often and that it offers like a really interesting new perspective in some of these problems like you know so at a long and i shared some of this like we've been playing with this like oh you can drag from safari a little tape png and then insert it in the thing yeah. and like that was like it just started as like i initially we always liked the mailbox beta coin thing and we were talking about it like yeah that was such a cool memorable moment like and again it's one of those things you don't forget ever um and initially it was like yeah let me try to come up with something like that and so my first stab at this problem was way too broad and vague. And I was trying to go way out there. Like, what if we have like themes for releases? So the first beta release is like the VHS release. And then later we're going to have the DVD release. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all of, and then maybe for the DVD, you have to point your phone. Special Blu-ray edition. <laughs> yeah. We have to point your phone at stuff and like through like you know it can detect the shape of a little like cd and then you'll get in or something mm -hmm. and my problem there some individual ideas out there so for example i would have to play the sound of like a rewind tape my problem there was like i was going way too broad like i had no constraints at all anything was possible <laughs> right and a day later i was paralyzed i was like i i have no idea just I'm trying to come up with different ideas, but none felt like, not even doable, but like none felt like, yes, this is an idea we can execute on. And to, by day two or day three, I was like, you know what? I'm spending way too much time on this. I need to get something. And then I just picked the mailbox thing. It's like, this is like the framework. How would you do this in your products? Mm. Different product because it's a phone, you know, iOS device. Uh, you don't have a, like drag and drop is not as 
obvious of a pattern on iOS that it is on a Mac or whatever. And then so that really helped me. Those set of constraints then helped me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a challenge of like, hey, let's have fun. Let's explore lots of ideas. I think it can be very paralyzing. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like what you're saying is find an anchor point. Like, hey, you know, find ways to limit some of the possibilities because that also, you know, brings a lot of creativity when you're working around certain constraints that you, that you set, mm-hmm. even if they're kind of sort of made up. So, yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. And isn't it funny that like companies like Apple, which have found tremendous success, and then every other company tries to emulate some of the things that Apple does in order to achieve similar success, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like one of the things that, like companies keep not forgetting, but like they discard that as something that they attribute success like to is the little moments of fun that Apple honestly used to have more, I think, than it does today, but still does. Like, oh, we built this laptop and it has a little light indicator, so you know that it's on, right? It could be a light that it's on, it could be a blinking light, but they went way and beyond, like, oh no, let's simulate the breathing motion. Mm-hmm. Like that creates a human little connection. Like yeah, it's there's something about this that I think it's fun, right? Especially once you know what that is. Oh, they simulating breathing. Like, oh, that's a cool moment. And yet, you know, people don't try to emulate this part of it. Like, because why? That's not what they don't think that's what made it successful. But I would disagree. Like, at least partially. So yeah, these things are so tricky, right? Because as you sort of mentioned early on in the conversation, there are things that are not measurable. So there's, there's never a way to like trace that back. And so in a way, I kind of feel like the exercise is futile. Like, would I say, hey, these are the reasons why I made Apple successful? I'm like, I don't know, probably not. But also, it's like, I don't want to dismiss the idea either, where it's like, hey, I think a lot of these things come from a, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I'm doing it first and foremost for me, because I care for this craft. Mm -hmm. There's like an artist uh, mindset to this, of like, I'm doing this as a sort of self-expression, which then I think, you know, goes way above the head of so many people who even use these computers. Hey, do you think there's anything special about the light that they'll be like, I don't know. No, it's just a blinking light, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but a few people will notice. And I think it's like you can't really put your finger on it, right? For a lot of people, it'll just be like, I don't know. It's just nice. Uh, they can't really describe why. So don't you think it's some of these moments that can create the fanboyism, which, by the way, yeah, terrible term. <laughs> Should come up with a better term. But like, you know, it's rare, like the fanboys of Samsung. Sorry, Samsung, whatever other companies like i feel like that's creates this brand loyalty like the way you feel about a brand a product transcends the product right it's like the mystique it's the craft it's the ideals it's the values it's more than that so i think you touched on something that i just don't know that you can go into this expecting a return no you can't like i don't think you can pitch to someone and say hey i'm gonna do this and you can expect this kind of result out of it it's like I agree with you. You know, you do it for the love of the craft and then hopefully the other things work out. But the reality is like if you want to be successful, you have to be amazing on all of these experiences, but you also need the strategy to be as amazing as all of your design are and you need the back end the way that it's architected to be as amazing like you need all of these things to be incredible <laughs> together right so just one being incredible 
is not going to give you what you want. But like, if you get all of these together, then I think you have a real shot. I wonder the impact that it has this like demo based decision making type of thing that we know at Apple. Like what was the guy's name? Ken? Ken Koshenda. Yeah. Cause like the way that Apple operates in a lot of ways is that you have a team that designing whatever. And then what they do is the team comes up with like two or three prototypes, the demos and they pitch them at leadership, whatever. Not necessarily Tim Cook, but I mean, eventually you'll get there. And then like decisions will be made kind of at that meeting. Like, no, let's go this way. I'll pick this one. So on one way, like it kind of creates this competitive nature. Like sometimes teams compete against each other, like which one gets the best demo. But because of that, I feel like in the demo, if you care about that, maybe these like more subtle touches can sometimes make the difference in ultimately the decision makers pick your demo over someone else's. I wonder if that has an impact on things to like make that part of like the way a design team works. I don't know. I'm also always curious when I hear people talk about this because I'm like, isn't that how every company works? No. Like, you know, sharing work and going through, hey, this is how it would work. And then we all talk about and like give each other feedback on how we can make the thing better. I mean, mostly because I work on very small teams, but I don't get to a point in where I have, let's say, three not fully fledged polished demos, but Oh, but it doesn't mean you present all of them. But I think as part of your process, surely you explore many different ideas. You do, but I usually those things are like discussed with the design team, with the small Mm -hmm. group and not with like outsiders, if that makes sense. I don't present Mm -hmm. like three prototypes to the CEO and then they pick. You know, yeah. I think that has a whole other layer of problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm trying to understand, like, how can you make this part of your team? But I think the idea of like, hey, we can only truly understand the work if we can kind of like see an action. I think makes a lot of sense to me, and I think at least that's how we operate for sure. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I remember at Superlist, we got to a point where we were doing a lot of demos. More so that like I got to a point in where we were doing it weekly and I found myself like really crafting narratives for my demo. Like, you know, day one, my demos were like, look at this mock-up. This is the idea. And then by month three, it was like, look at this click-through fully-fledged prototype. And then by, you know, month six, I was like, this is a whole presentation. This is a story. This is like, it's almost like a little like keynote thing presenting this idea that would culminate with a prototype. Right. So I was really investing in the presentation part of the ideas, Mm -hmm. something that I never really did to that extent. Let's say Netlify or other teams. I think there's something there for you to share with people. Cause I, I mean, I've seen some of, and probably haven't seen the majority of even the things that you've shared, but I feel like I've seen some things here and there of how you communicate about your work. And I think that's very unique. Like I haven't seen anyone put this much work Mm. into how they present and communicate these ideas and like, you know, putting together these videos and there's an element of humor and there's an element of storytelling where I think most people are much more, Hey, this is the flow. So like, we're trying to get people to do this. And so like you first go here and then you go there and then you click on the thing and then this happens. At least personally, I would be interested in hearing how you approach these kinds of things. And then I think someone who's not really doing these things might think, this seems like it would take you a long time <laughs> to put together these videos, but maybe not. Maybe you're like, hey, 
the whole point is like think about your message and then just go with it on the flow and you know it's like any other skill the more you do it the better you get at it yeah actually doesn't take that much time and if it helps people understand the idea better then it's like completely worth it right the same way that hey you spending more time refining your ideas uh is going to give them more of a success to you know actually become a thing then you know spending time on how you talk about the work even internally is a good time investment what do you mean by people don't produce fake ads <laughs> internally See? for a feature <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good thing we can explore it at a future episode and i think i've talked about this to some extent here and there uh in past episodes but uh it gets to like, the communication part of it is so important sometimes even more important than the actual work mm. which in a way is also like not great <laughs> the fact that it's true but like if you feel confident about an idea and you see it and you know like oh this idea is really powerful i think this is a winner and then if you do a poor job at communicating, sometimes that idea can be shut down right there. Yeah. Right then and there. And so some ideas, not everything I do, that would be probably dangerous, but like some ideas that I feel really passionate about are like this one I really believe in. I put a lot of work into the way I communicate that because I want to make sure that people see it the way I see it. And that then just takes different shapes and forms. Uh, but like sometimes, yeah, I'll make like a whole video ad type of thing. So like I found that like, I don't know if you found this, but like, you know how if you see a mock-up, like just a screenshot of a mock-up, let's say on a phone, mm-hmm. you see it, like let's say in Figma, but then if you put that like on a real device at an angle with like the reflection on the glass, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, this feels better, even though it's the exact same pixels. Oh, yeah. You just see it from a different perspective. <laughs> you can go like even deeper. You can have a picture of like a person using it in like a very specific context and scenario like oh shit then all of a sudden it even carries like a different weight like oh i'm making this app to make phone calls and you see the screen and then you see someone like in the middle of a desert because they just broke their leg and they're called right like this adds to the story i went really dark there right (laughs) (laughs) this adds to the story and so utilize that when you're trying to Mm -hmm. communicate and so video is one way to get there but this reminds me of the best workshop i have ever attended like in my life and i think it is probably going to be difficult to ever top this like (laughs) workshop experience because it's been years ago and i still talk about it to this day and basically it's this guy who used to work at pixar and does this workshop on storytelling Hmm. which is just absolutely like fascinating obviously it's like hey the guy's amazing at telling stories, so of course, you know, his talk is going to be amazing. Um, and it's been a long time, so I like actually don't remember a lot of the, the specific contents of the talk. But he was talking a lot about how people in companies should learn some of the principles of storytelling for, you know, you're writing uh, the next short for Pixar, you're working on a movie or whatever. And there's some basic sort of story arcs, right, to help people connect with the main character and help keep people motivated. And so generally, there's like a main character. And generally, like they have to have some kind of flaw because the flaws are how people can relate to you. Mm. And then they must have an objective, like something that they really want to achieve. 
but can. And then you want to take them on a journey where they have to evolve who they are in order to overcome whatever is standing in front of them uh, so they can achieve the thing they want to achieve. And there's, there are lots of different ways that you can kind of like map that to whatever thing you're working. Like it can be a feature, it can be, it can be anything. I'll try to see if there's one of the talks from this person somewhere online i'd love to see that yeah so the first part of the workshop is mostly like a talk so it was actually like a full day thing um there's a couple different pieces so like one of them where he's talking about just anecdotes from working at pixar (laughs) and then there's a part where he's talking about like some of these ideas and then there's a more hands-on part where um there's like different hats characters a flaw and then an objective then you get in a group and then you pick one of these and then you have to make a story with it (laughs) um and then the last one is like you take something more work related and then you apply the same principles and it's really interesting like how it really changes the way you approach these things of like you go from being very sort of fact-based of like hey this is the realities of this thing to being more about the emotion more about the journey and that just ends up connecting with people so much better oh yeah also see political climate (laughs) why but seriously I also want to link and mention Alex Cornell. They were a designer at Facebook, yes. and now they've been doing Cocoon, and they have one of the best talks ever, uh, like very meta, fourth wall breaking. Yes. And uh, <laughs> they did, the big inspiration to me, but they did something also similar to, like, I forget what this was, but, like, internally at Facebook, he was advocating for, like, something to change. I forget what it was. I don't know, the like button to be capitalized or it's not that, but something (laughs) like that. And he was trying like internally to to, like, you know, make this change happen or like try to talk to the right people. How can I make this change happen or whatever? And then no one was really like listening to him. So he just started escalating and he started creating like fake, like news read, like news bulletin, like him as a like news anchor, like talking about this big issue, like this big thing that's been happening, all this internally. And so, another great example of like communicating this work and like ideas through creative effective mediums kind of not just mediums like forms i'm gonna try to find like links to some of their talks uh where they talk about it but yeah any of their talks they're just like absolutely amazing. incredible amazing i remember one of them where the talk is they sort of like talk to themselves on the screen i don't know if you've seen that one yeah and trying to make the talk as the talk is happening yeah yeah exactly like hey what about this i just made this little draft this work and he's talking to himself all this pre-recorded yeah incredible masterpiece anyway all right we were past an hour so that means we need to wrap up but look at us we again renewed our design podcast license i feel like we talked about something (laughs) you know relevant to our interests uh good job us um let's do recommendations and wrap this up yeah my recommendation i don't know i guess it's maybe a little vague this week or not uh you tell me (laughs) so i'll recommend this store i've been thinking a lot about interior design of course like we've been having lots of conversations about it i am very passionate about interior design and so at last weekend actually was it last weekend or two weekends ago anyways Time has no more meaning anyways uh, anymore. <laughs> so it's a store. It's actually in Ottawa, of all places. It's called LD Shop. Of course, have an online store powered by Shopify. <laughs> um, there it is. And they sell a lot of really awesome interior design products. And one of the things that we bought was this woven rattan planter that just looks absolutely amazing. And 
we, me and my partner, like both we really, really love. And so I wanted to give them a shout out. They're a really cool brand to do lots of amazing stuff. So if you're looking for some cool like home decor stuff, you can go check it out. This is really cool. Okay, just I want to leave the disclaimer. They only ship to Canada and the U.S. Ah, I see. Um, Damn it. <laughs> but looks good. So it'd be like good source of inspiration for us miserable Europeans. <laughs> I'm sure you have plenty of other shops that we don't have. Well, yeah, I'm sure. It's miserable, man. I still don't have a couch. And <laughs> I think I mentioned I have an air mattress that I've been using as a couch. I got a tear last night. God damn it. Oh, no. I just felt sinking in the, quote, couch. And then, god damn it, I tried to patch it up, but I couldn't. I really need a couch. But So you didn't even place an order yet? No, not yet. Because I, I don't know which one to get. <sighs> Rafa, you really need to get on this because even when you place the order, it'll be like, oh yeah, it'll be there in oh, yeah. four to six months. So we placed an order on a like a pull up couch, like a, a couch sofa bed or whatever you call it. Mm, okay, um, it's a small one that the plan is to bring it up to the office. So we place an order, and the plan is like we'll use that like right temporarily in the living room as a couch temporarily until we get the proper one. I see. Uh, but the lead times on that is like sixteen to nineteen weeks. Wow. <laughs> So by the summer, I might have a place to uh, sit my butt. <laughs> God. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. My recommendation is, uh, speaking of sitting on a couch and looking at TV, it's a video game. It's called Horizon Forbidden West. It's a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, a game that I've played when it came out. And I'm pretty sure it was a recommendation in the past. The sequel is out. It's absolutely amazing so far. I mean, i don't have a lot of time to play video games right now so i'm taking my time but i'm really enjoying i think it's the first time i'm playing video games since i became a dad <laughs> so this is huge for me thank you and it's been incredible it looks one of the most beautiful games i've ever seen hmm. the world building on that is just phenomenal i love the lore on that so this is a post post-apocalyptic world okay <laughs> the story is incredible and uh yeah you, you've probably seen you know stills of this is like you've seen like robot dinosaurs type of thing maybe not um <laughs> no. so yeah i've been playing it and it, it's gorgeous like all the main flaws of the first game i feel like the studio really took those to heart and like not only did they fix those flaws i feel like what were flaws in the first game is actually like one of the strongest aspects of this one specifically like all the npc like conversation like little like small cutscenes between you know just when you're talking to npcs on the first game like they were just so bad like the animation was like so like dead and still and the face animations like just they look silly like, they look bad hmm. uh, and in this one like i've never seen npcs as like realistic looking and behaving and written as this is like incredible like i'm genuinely interested to talk to just random npcs in the world interesting um is this something uh, that's like an open world thing kind of like zelda or it is an open world game but so far it feels like it's really designed for people who don't enjoy open world games or great <laughs> or are annoyed because i feel <laughs> that i'm interested it's an open world game that i haven't found like the need to grind because usually that's a problem with open world games like you're thrown out in the world 
that is open <laughs> and you're like all right now collect all of these things climb all of these towers to slowly unlock the rest of the map do all of these side projects that will take you forever to like right go talk to this person and now go to the top of that mountain and then come back to this and just <laughs> grind just takes a long time mm-hmm. and i feel like in this one first you don't have to do any of that there's still some of that if you want to do it but i haven't felt that grindiness of open world games so far again i'm still very early in the game and one last thing i want to mention about this i think it's very interesting is i'm playing this on ps5 and one of the biggest like differences or technological improvements on ps5 over the ps4 is load times it's like the time it takes to read from the disc i don't know details but you know way faster so in this game like when there's like a load screen you usually get little tips about the game, you know, like, oh, did you know you can improve, upgrade your weapon? Whatever, little tips. And then it says, like, press X once the loading is done. You have to press X to go back to the game. In this game, the load times are so fast that the default setting, there's a setting for people playing the game. Maybe you don't know about this. I didn't until I saw someone tweeted about it. The default setting is you have to press X to go back to the game. There's two other settings. One is give time to read the tips. And another one is, like, just to... Start the game, like, immediately. As soon as the load is done, you know, just start the game. Because, like, the load times are so fast Mm. that if you just went back to the game, you wouldn't be able to read anything on screen, and it would be, like, jarring. (laughs) So it's, like, an interesting problem to have. Right. Like, the load times are too fast. How can you fix this, design for this problem? (laughs) And I feel like this is an interesting solution. But I did change that setting, like, you know, bring me back to the game as soon as you can, which is too soon. (laughs) Anyway, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was playing Spider-Man, like, the loading screens are so long. Oh, yeah. (laughs) On this, so... They even, like, give you some kind of control over, like, Spider-Man, where you can, like, rotate him (laughs) while you wait. True. (laughs) So... There's this... Man, I can't commit to this, but there's this YouTube video that gives you, like, takes you through the history of load screens. Mm. And... There was a like a great moment in time in where people started building mini games in the load screen, <laughs> right? Uh, I remember, I think it was Dragon Ball Budokai thing. I remember you have to like spin the joystick to like spawn little monsters or something, like a little mini game. Oh, that's cool. While you were waiting. That was really cool. And all of a sudden, I think there was like some kind of patent. Someone patented it. Oh, no. Like, patent, like mini games during load screens. <laughs> Always ruins things. They ruined everything for everyone. <laughs> so much that like video games couldn't really build mini games on loading screens anymore. Mm. And so all of a sudden, we stopped seeing that. Huh. And it's and then all of a sudden, you get like the tips or the text to read or something. Yeah. And that is like so sad. But I'm really curious to see is like long term or not long term, but like in the, in the next couple of years, once people start building video games for like exclusive to these new generations, because like even this game I just mentioned, it's also available on PS4, right? Mm. So they also still have to accommodate that older system. But I've been curious to see like how load times will affect game design. Right. So for example, a very common thing is like you are controlling your player and you go through like a little, let's say tight spot and you have to like all of a sudden you have almost this like mini cut scene like even on spider-man mm-hmm. every time you go through like a vent you play this thing you have to go through the vent which is like whatever i'm just going through the vent you know crawling out the vent you can go through a vent in spider-man yeah like when you're trying to go inside a building oh oh, like oh i see, see, see yeah, section yeah. you're just controlling spider-man like in the vent right this is a load 
thing. Mm. While you're going through a little vent or while you're playing that little mini cutscene going through this tight spot and like crawling, <laughs> it's actually loading the next section. Mm. Or like also a very common one is like elevators. Every time you go through a character, with a character you go through an elevator and then you're on the elevator you know, waiting. <laughs> yeah. It's actually like that elevator is there to load the next section of the map. So these are just like, you know, creative ways that game designers came up with to mask and hide load times. Right. Um, so I wonder what else can you do now without load times? Like, you know. It's interesting how video games are still pretty intensive on like your computer or whatever console you're using. Right? And they will always will be because they're always pushing that envelope. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's almost nothing else like computing life. That has to pull so many tricks behind the scenes of, like, trying to load things. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it used to be that way for, say, Instagram, where, like, when you, while you were on the editing screen, it already started uploading your image <laughs> in the background and stuff like that. But, but that's peanuts. Like, that's nothing <laughs> compared to this. Yeah. But there's, like, I mean, maybe Instagram still does this, actually. I don't know. But it's, like, many apps don't do this anymore and like don't have to do anything like that because the internet connection is, is more than fast enough right i mean a lot of similar i mean obviously like the problem with these games is you're rendering essentially rendering 3d like in real time yeah, whole world yeah exactly and so so <laughs> yeah. that's very impressive but like i mean even if you're editing video and stuff like that it used to be beach ball now not anymore so oh yeah yeah it's, it's kind of interesting so I sent you a link of like, this is a GIF of the first Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> That's amazing. And this is a perspective, like, you see the world like being loaded out of memory as you move the camera around, mm -hmm. you know? So this is incredible. Every time you move the camera in your player, it's like removing from memory, like right. <laughs> erasing everything that it's not in frame and loading everything that it is. That's amazing. It's just, I thought this was incredible. Put a link in the show notes. Very cool. Anyway, Kevin, we should go. Um, yes. Our thanks to our listeners for listening to this episode. Uh, we've had a lot of fun putting it together. If you want to reach out, don't hesitate. You can DM us on Twitter. We're at LayoutFM on Twitter. Uh, you can also DM us uh, personally. So, for example, if you know the person who designed the iSight camera, you should definitely let Rafa know. Uh, so that's at Rafa Hari. Uh, you can also message me um, at VernalKick. Our special thanks to our sponsor uh, today, Zeppelin. Zeppelin's amazing. Uh, they made this great product called Flows. You absolutely have to try it as a designer. Um, so if you're interested, go to zeppelin.io. You'll have all the information there. And you can check out our show notes at layout.fm. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Yes, we will. That was great. If you like us, give us a review. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.